0: Attention all those who have placed their faith in Christ and are followers of the way. You have been lied to. Your mind is right this very second being polluted with lies from the enemy. Your life has been infected with destructive behavior. While you slept, scales have been placed over your eyes and you have been blinded from the truth. Your resistance is useless. You cannot fight this evil alone. This is not a test. Stay tuned to this broadcast for further details. Your freedom and the freedom of your loved ones depends on it. Three, two, one, zero. Yes, it is. Nice to be in orbit. (laughs) That's what happens when you lock a sound engineer in quarantine for a year with a laptop and way too much spare time. I am J.R. Everhart from Restoration Ministries. I am the host here at the Truth Labyrinth Podcast and also the owner of CLP Audio, and you'll get that spot next. Today's message is on fallout, infectious behavior in our lives, and the fallout of uh, our reaction to sinful cycles of failure in our lives. So make sure you stick around. You do not want to miss a second of today's show. See you in 60 seconds. I want to talk to you guys for a second about my company, CLP Audio. COP Audio is your one-stop source for mobile audio and lighting, as well as a host of other services. Uh, we can handle everything from large outdoor concerts to small club-type shows or even DJing your wedding or company picnic. Uh, we also work with local and regional government for public address events and summer community concert series-type stuff. We also do event planning and band booking as well as audio install work at your local church or high school. You'll find tons of information online about us on both Instagram and Facebook. When you go to our Facebook page, make sure that you read our reviews from our clients. You can also find us uh, by just calling me or texting us, uh, 304-676-8811, 304-676-8811. You can also email me at... um, jr.clpaudio at gmail.com that's jr.clpaudio at gmail.com CLP Audio has a long success record with dozens of bands, churches, and event venues all around the Mid-Atlantic Again, find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching CLP Audio or call 304 That's 304-676-8811 That's 304-676-8811 The sin of our flesh still calls our names every day. It hasn't forgotten who we are or what our triggers are. Day after day, we walk on the edge of sin, trying to balance desire, holiness, and not fall in. It's a roller coaster of emotion and toxic thinking. It's a cycle of shame that feels like it has no end. Some days we're more than conquerors. Other days we're in tears from the fallout that our sin delivers. All one has to do is let go, and sin walks right in the front door of our lives and sits next to us on our couches. It stares us right in the eyes and it says, Haven't you suffered enough? Just relax and let me tell you why you need me in your life. It's just like Eve standing at the tree in the Garden of Eden talking to the serpent. He lies, making more and more sense as the conversation moves forward. The more we stand there and discuss it with him, the more our guard starts to fall and justification starts her dirty work of making it okay just one more time. She says, you work hard. You have served all your responsibilities with honor. Your family is fed, your kids are secure, and your career is on the pathway to success. Don't you deserve to indulge every now and then? God will forgive you. It's such a small thing that you ask for. It'll be okay. You are in control and can manage this like you've managed every other successful part of your life. The enemy's lies always taste sweet going down. It takes zero effort to reach out and touch the forbidden fruit, feeling it in our hands. It feels so right, so magical, like it's meant to be. We may even go as far as to think, this is God's will for me. How could something that feels so right not be of God? Guys, if I had a nickel for every time I've heard an adulterous man in marriage counseling talking about how that's how he felt when he met his mistress, I'd be a rich man. And with that intoxicating mental picture consuming our every thought, our eyes drink in its beauty, and with its fragrant smell, we bring it to our lips and bite into this juicy texture, chewing it up and indulging in all its sweet flavor. But only minutes afterwards, the shame starts to set in. You look around and the serpent is gone. And all you feel is self-condemnation. Your vision is somehow different now. You're seeing things about yourself that are foreign to you. The magical feelings of temptation are gone, and you're left with the fallout of your decisions. This fallout looks different for everyone. For some, in adulterous affairs, it costs them their marriage and families. For others, it may be a job they've worked for decades to achieve and now it's gone because they chose to steal from the company. Anger has this same lure of temptation, and in my opinion, uh, plays out much quicker than any other sin that we struggle with. If you're an angry person who has never done honest anger management work in your life, you can go from zero to breaking the sound barrier in seconds. Its tools are murderous words, manipulative behavior passive-aggressive tension, and in some cases, violence. Honestly, guys, I've seen more destruction from angry people than from all the drug addicts, alcoholics, and adulterous people combined. That release of endorphins from prideful revenge and treachery is every bit as addictive as any orgasm or chemical high. Sin always requires a price much higher than we're ever prepared to pay. Um, It had cost many people their lives over the years and centuries, and the enemy just loves pushing our buttons and manipulating us into cycles of horrible decisions. Then to add insult to injury, he strokes our pride and develops layers of denial so that we can blame everyone else for our track record of horrible decisions. I've said across the room from people like this in recovery meetings as they say things like, it's my parents' fault because they didn't love me or because I was abused. And in today's world, a lot of, I'm a victim of society and can never seem to get a break. I had a guy ready to fight me one night in a meeting because I asked him this very simple question. What role has he played in his problems? I mean, he had such a clear picture of his victimhood and the role everyone else played in his sorrow, it only seemed fitting to challenge him to hold himself accountable to the same degree as he did all these people in his life. Well, as I mentioned, it hit a serious nerve and he blowed up like a three-year-old hearing the word no for the first time. Sadly, he never came back after that, and the last I heard, he was homeless. And if I had to guess, still blaming blaming everyone else for his problems. Those meetings were his ticket to real change. Those meetings could have brought restoration to his life. It could have been a place where he could get honest answers to why his life was full of insanity. But instead, he has chosen to live inside his fallout rather than the honest reflection of recovery. Unfortunately, we can't save them all. We all live by the choices we make, and no one gets, gets better from any of these dysfunctional ways, especially the ways of this world that buries us sometimes, unless we choose to make some changes in our lives. It doesn't matter if it's chemical addiction, anger, codependency, lost control issues, or anything else that's standing in the way of freedom in your life. If nothing changes, nothing changes. The hardest part about being an addiction counselor is having to stand on the sidelines and watch people lost in denial slowly kill themselves and dragging their families into the pit with them. It's genuinely heartbreaking. I've heard it all and used all those same excuses at one point or another in my own road to recovery, so I mean, you're not getting any judgment from me. Uh, Of course, there's some truth in childhood issues and abuse, because some of those things very well could be contributing to your dysfunction. In most cases, they are. But after you're finished blaming mom and dad for your problems, it's time to look in the mirror and get honest about the decisions you've made and turning your life upside down. The enemy is a con man and always sells his lies on the backs of some sort of truth. But we live by the decisions we make. I always say this to my recovery guys. The only common denominator in all my problems was me. And there is enjoyment in sin for a season, believe me. But soon what felt like the Garden of Eden turns into the Valley of the Shadow of Death. It starts out so innocent and victimless. But by the time you realize you're the victim... It's already got its claws into your skin. Many times our response is to run to God's throne of grace and restoration, but heavenly forgiveness is the easy part. Confess your sins to Jesus and you're forgiven. The Bible clearly says that God is faithful and just to forgive us every time we go to him for forgiveness. But that's only half of the process. In James 5:16 it says that when we confess our sins to each other, we are healed. Untangling yourself from the web of lies and deceit is not easy and should not be navigated alone. Not to mention, learning to forgive yourself along the way will not come naturally. It's a learned behavior, and you'll need a sober, level-headed sponsor to guide you out of the dark forest and into the light. You cannot do it alone. And I know many who have tried. But there is hope. Here's a scripture from Colossians that gives us that hope. You were dead because your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ. That's what happens when we surrender our lives to the Lord. And he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them at the cross. When the Bible speaks of those spiritual rulers and authorities, that's all the demonic forces the enemy has working against you. And this scripture is telling us that in this way, in the way that Christ bore your sins on the cross, he publicly shamed them with his victory through the cross and resurrection. Reestablishing holiness in our lives is a process of behavior modification, obedience, and accountability. It starts with refocusing yourself on Christ and reestablishing your boundaries. Loneliness can do strange things to us, and an idle mind inside of isolation is a dangerous place to be. We are built for connection and need to surround ourselves with godly people of solid faith who can hold us accountable and walk alongside us. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, it says two are better than one because if one falls, the other can reach down and help them up. It takes a conscious effort to stay focused on Jesus. This also is a learned behavior and does not come naturally. Exercising your faith and uh, digging into God's Word is something that has to be like air and water every day in our lives. Go back and do your first fruits over again. Remember how God loves and cares about you. Reconnect with Christian friends. Stop isolating. Join a discipleship or recovery program like uh, Celebrate Recovery. God has never called any lone rangers to the faith. All of the heroes of the Bible were surrounded by those that held them accountable and supported their ministry. A major lesson Jesus taught his disciples was how to be accountable to each other. He chose these 12 men and then let them into the most intimate parts of his life. He demonstrated the importance of transparency, obedience, and sacrifice. I recently had a loving debate with an alcoholic friend of mine after driving him safely home from a bar one night. We sat in his driveway talking about this very issue, and he struggled to see where I was coming from. Um, Some are so blinded by the romantic ideas about Jesus uh, being the son of God that they struggle to wrap their heads around the fact that the Bible says Jesus was fully man and tempted in every way. If that wasn't the case, guys, and Christ didn't overcome every form of sin in this world, his sacrifice on the cross would have meant nothing. Just because he did not sin doesn't mean that he didn't walk out transparency before the disciples. Many times we see Jesus explaining things to them in private that he did not make public knowledge. And of the twelve disciples, only three, Peter, James, and John, were given inner circle access to his most intimate times. And I would point you toward his greatest time of suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Peter, James, and John was right there, even seeing him standing there. Um, with, I think it was Moses and Elijah, if I'm not mistaken, who came down to minister to him during that time. Not to mention Jesus spoke uh, many times about following his father's will and not his own, making himself accountable to the father. You can't argue this when you watch how the disciples carried these principles into the creation of the first century church. Accountability to both God and your brothers in the faith reverberates all throughout the New Testament. And for these reasons, we see accountability at the foundation of all discipleship and recovery programs. Guys, when you take accountability out of the equation of any of those kind of programs, it really just erodes away the foundation of any kind of effect- effectiveness they can have in your life. Uh, and the people who want to pull the judge not. least ye be judged card are usually the ones hiding sin and uh, are in denial about their sin or at the very least refuse to own it as well as completely ignoring the second verse um, of that statement they're quoting from matthew 7 here's the entire passage this is important guys pay attention do not judge others and you will not be judged For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the same standard that uh, you will be judged. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see how to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. I don't know about you guys, but that's telling me that I need to get my life right with Jesus so I can help others with their problems it's about paying it forward and this verse kind of reinforces all that it also says i'm held to the same level of accountability as everyone else and in my opinion most importantly is to not waste time trying to help those that don't want to be helped now having said that let's read it again from that perspective judge uh, do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others the standard you use in judging is the same standard which you will be judged. That just speaks to the idea of God not being a respecter of persons. and that One person is not greater than someone else. We're all to be judged on the same level. And it's saying if you're not willing to be judged on that level, then don't be judging others. Because the more judgment, the more unjust judgment that you put on others will be dealt back to you. So we're all on the same playing field here. And if you're going to stand up and call somebody out under junk, well, make sure that you're not walking in that junk yourself. And then the next part is, uh, why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past a log in your own eye? And then Jesus, this is Jesus talking, guys. Jesus is calling you a hypocrite at that point. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. That's a command, guys. That's saying once you get your life right with, with Christ and you have a track record of solid decision making and you build a rapport and people's lives around you, uh, I always say that you have to earn the right to speak into people's lives and when they give you that open door... Now you're ready to step in there and it says you will be able to see well enough to deal with the speck that's in your friend's eye because we are called to pay it forward. We are called to give it back. And then it says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. Well, what is holy is this beautiful revelation and the scales being removed off your eyes to be able to see truth and to continue to teach that truth into others. But some people are not holy. So don't be casting your pearls to pigs because it says they will just trample on that truth that you're bringing to the table and then turn and attack you. How many people have you tried to help get out of their mess just to have them turn around and attack you? I think we've all dealt with that to some degree or another. Not everyone wants help. We see this in the Bible. Uh, the Gadarenes. I always remember those guys. The, the demon-possessed guy that was running through the the, the cemeteries. It, it was the tombs in those days, but we would know that as a graveyard or a cemetery. There were holes in the ground where they kept their dead, and was you know terrorizing the local village, the Gadarenes. And here comes Jesus off the boat. This dude comes down, meets him at the shore, and says, you know, you son of God, why have you come to you know uh, judge us or try us before our time? These are the demons speaking to Christ. If there's any testament that jesus was the son of god here it is well to make a long story short jesus heals the guy delivers him of a legion of demons that's thousands of demons and casts him into a herd of swine who jump off a cliff we probably all remember that from sunday school when we were kids then this guy the the people from the village see this whole thing happens and you think they would be ready to come down there and give jesus the key to the city (laughs) and that's not at all what happens they're like, no, dude, we're not into you or whatever kind of mystic business that just went on here. Get back on your boat and go someplace else. Jesus didn't stand there and argue with them people. He didn't stand there and, and and argue the cause of why he was, who he said he was, and how this miracle was proof of that, and so on and so forth. So many times we waste so much energy you know, having arguments and having disagreements with unholy and wicked people who aren't interested in finding the truth. We see this in the political arena all the time. Some people just want to see the world burn. They don't care. You know, some people don't care to find the truth, much less live inside that truth and go through the uncomfortable process of growth we're getting ready to talk about here. So that's what the scripture is talking about, about casting pearls before pigs or trying to give holy things to unholy people. Not everyone wants to be helped. The Bible clearly says that there are those that will not make it to heaven. Wicked people exist. It's hard for us to wrap our super oversensitive tolerant minds around that idea in today's modern world because we just want to, you know, celebrate everybody regardless of what their sin looks like. But Wicked people exist. They live lives of self-centered pride and laugh at the efforts of people like us who are trying to do some good. Oh, they may say that they want help, but they put zero action behind those words and choose to live their life inside the fallout of their sinful decisions instead of facing their biggest enemy, which is, in most cases, themselves. That fallout is toxic self-talk. It murders your self-confidence and self-esteem. It will beat you down into a pit of depression so deep you'll never be able to exercise faith in anything but your own destruction. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. His greatest uh, accomplishment in our lives is to, to defer our faith. Well, if your faith is only in your own failure and your own destruction, he's won. This is why we tell recovery newbies to never make any major decisions until they have at least a year of sobriety inside the program. It takes time to break the unbalanced chemistry going on in your brain physically and the manic emotion-based thinking that's fueled your insanity up to this point. You walk out of this place of fallout one slow step at a time, one day at a time. And you do it surrounded by an accountability team and a sponsor who himself or herself has a track record of successful sobriety. Not perfect, but successful sobriety. The good news is, change is entirely possible, though. We can choose life over death. Once again, we live by the choices we make. We have the ability to change the course of our lives, but that change is not free. And we'll be paid in the uncomfortable process of growth that is our discipleship um, inside of a discipleship program or a recovery program or some kind of you know, face-to-face, one-on-one or small group you know studying where you can really get in there and let iron sharpen iron and uh, help you to be that better person that you're trying to be. And we do that on the shoulders of stronger believers that God puts in our pathway to help us walk that out. All it takes to go to heaven is faith in Christ. But living a life of victory here on earth takes obedience, sacrifice, and unconditional surrender to Jesus Christ. True growth comes out of the refiner's fire. You guys know what that means? I mean, you believers I know understand what that means, but maybe you're listening to this and you're not a believer. That refiner's fire is a biblical principle that. illustrates how sometimes life gets hot and the way a refiner refines gold is by boiling it at very high temperatures and what that does is that causes all the junk inside the gold to to rise to the top and then the refiner comes along and scrapes off all that junk so that when he pours that gold out it's pure gold So that is how that process works in our lives. It comes from the cross that we carry every day. Jesus said, take up your daily cross and follow me. And that cross is bloodstained by denying our physical bodies and fallen nature the unhealthy indulgences it so desires. Learning to become an actor in life instead of a reactor to this world's challenges is the hardest part to walk out, at least it is for me. Most of us, uh, dealing with sin's fallout, have been inside our dysfunction for so long it has become comfortable. We may never admit that, but that really is kind of what our life has been, especially if we come up out of families that had high levels of dysfunction, chaos, and drama all the time. Personally, I used to say that misery and suffering were my best friends. I had dealt with those things for so long in my life, it became home for me. And the drama around it, in some sick way, comforted me. When I started to break these patterns of insanity in my life, success was foreign to me. I really had a culture shock when things started going right for a change. When you live in a place of failure for so long, success seems very foreign. I had to reparent myself to learn how to find comfort inside of the peace and harmony That was my life inside of sobriety. It felt boring and dull at first, and then I realized how how refreshing that boring and dull life was. It was only then that I started to see how deep the pit was that I had just crawled out of. You really don't understand how far down the rabbit hole you are of fallout and sin until your eyes are opened and you're freed from that pit. It feels good to be free, and even with all, the, with all the attacks of the enemy, I'm still 150% better now than I ever was. And guys, I'm a long way away from perfect, but I'm a whole lot closer to looking like Jesus now than I've ever been. Sobriety always delivers what addiction and compulsive behavior promises. But believe me, Just because you're free doesn't mean that the enemy's not trying to weave his next web of lies into your life, because he is. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If you have found value in this podcast, or if it has blessed you in any way, can I ask a couple things from you real quick? Please rate and review this podcast in whatever format you listen to it on, especially if you use Google or Apple podcasting app. Also, could I ask you to please donate to this ministry? Uh, We need your financial support. We are not sponsored by any church or religious denomination, nor do we have any corporate sponsors. Uh, We are totally independent and dependent on our listeners to make this ministry resource possible. Please consider giving to this ministry. I'll be sure to post links and information on how to give in the description of this podcast. And finally, and most importantly, we need your prayers for guidance and protection from the people who look to silence voices like ours. Pray for God's favor in the eyes of our enemies and grace in our hearts toward them. Pray that God uses this podcast to speak into the lives of those struggling with addiction and ministers to the hearts of the hurting. We need your prayers covering this ministry so we can be effective ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this podcast. My prayer is that it blessed you and brought you a fresh understanding of our lives in this world and our need for unity in Christ. A brush fire of revival in Jesus Christ is our only hope for satisfaction and true joy as we walk out the human experience that is our day-to-day lives. It's been my sincere honor to be your host today at the Truth Labyrinth podcast. Be blessed and be a blessing to those around you. Till next time, I leave you with a scripture from Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ.